I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, and nana to six. We've been homeschooling for over 24 years, and um, I love bringing a word of encouragement to moms and homeschooling moms, and I'm excited about today's topic. We're going to be talking about growing a thriving family on a budget. But before I get started, I want to remind you, if you haven't checked out my simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Unhurried Homeschooler, I would encourage you to go and um, go to Amazon and check it out. It's just $6.99 and it's a fast read and I think you'll be encouraged. I also have a devotional for homeschool moms called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and that is also on Amazon. So, Today, we're going to tackle the topic of finances. Now, finances can be a huge issue in marriages, and it's one of the top reasons for divorce. When our finances are out of control, our lives feel out of control. Can anyone relate? Our thinking um, just ends up revolving around money. And Jesus tells us in the New Testament that we cannot serve two masters. We can't serve both God and money. We'll hate one and love the other or vice versa. So this is why it's so important for us to have a clear and biblical understanding of um, how to manage our finances And hopefully today's uh, podcast will help you begin to see um, some ways that you can help um, do the the best with what you've been given. So over the years, I've been asked many times how in the world we could afford to raise a family of 10 on one income. Now, everyone assumed that my husband had a high-paying job, which he did not. The truth is that at one point, we hit rock bottom. I remember when we were sort of in our at our lowest point, my husband would come home from work. He worked outside the home two days a week and, and at home three days a week. But he would, I remember, I, just, I still can see him walking through that front door and his shoulders would just be just drooping and just so, and I could just tell he was struggling and suffering so much under the load of debt that we were under, and he just could not see a way out of it, and it just broke my heart, and we prayed about it. I prayed for him, and but the truth is that hitting that low got our attention. That financial crisis was the best thing that ever happened to us. God showed us where we'd made some very poor choices, and he corrected our course. Um, And he began to pull us out of a financial crisis. For a while, we, you know, one of the places we started was just managing with only one car with four kids. And again, he only worked a couple days a week out of the home. But um, it could be a little frightening. We lived a little bit out of town. And so I felt like if anything happened, I had no way to get the kids to the emergency room or, you know, all those little things you worry about. But I had to trust the Lord and God was faithful. But that was one of the steps that we felt like we needed to take. One of our it was one of our first commitments, and that was to only pay cash for our cars. And what we found is that it actually felt good as we began this journey and walk it out to sacrifice and to give up things in order to stay financially free. There was actually freedom in that discipline and sacrifice. So what had the potential to destroy our marriage actually brought us closer together um, more so than ever before. And now I know I'm not the only mom out there with a story. And today I am really excited to have a guest that many of you may already know. 
Erin Odom is the author of More Than Just Making It, and You Can Stay at Home with Your Kids, and she's the founder of The Humbled Homemaker, a blog dedicated to grace-filled living designed to equip and encourage mothers in the trenches. She is passionate about Jesus, motherhood, crunchy living, and seeing women use their God-given gifts and passions to overcome life's challenges. Her Southern charm and wealth of inspirational, practical content have drawn an audience of millions over the years. Erin and her husband, Will, live in North Carolina, same state as me, where where they're raising their three-spirited, red-headed girls and a sweet, spoiled, red-headed boy. Erin, I'm so excited about this podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited, too. Well, I, it was interesting. I was, we were talking before we started recording, and I, I realized I had already forgotten how I ran across your book. It was recent, too. So, um, but I remember looking at this thing and saying, why have I never seen this? You know, it's been out for a couple of years, and um, it just had such great tips on, um, on how to just save money, how to uh, be creative in in ways to make money um, and ways to be able to do what you want to do, which is to stay home with your kids. So give us a bit of a backstory of your financial journey. Well, I grew up in, I would say, an upper middle class family. My family, um, my parents didn't really want for anything. And so I didn't grow up um, poor, but my parents both grew up in families that um, had, it was lar- they had large families is what they like to say. One was a family of five kids, one was a family of six kids, and little extra money. My mom's um, father was a preacher, and they just did not have a lot growing up. So what I think is really neat is because they did not grow up with much, even though when um, my parents got married and they had three kids, they, they had... Um, plenty of money, um, even though they weren't rich, they had money that uh, we, they could have shopped wherever they wanted to, you know, for food and so forth. They didn't. They, they lived very frugally still. And I grew up in a family that um, we enjoyed shopping at discount stores. My mom always clipped coupons. And what that afforded them was the ability to send um, me and my siblings to Christian school, which was a huge dream of theirs. And um, I grew up where it was very normal to live frugally. So let's fast forward to my adulthood. And... Um, After my husband and I, we got married, we had one child, and um, through a series of events, uh, a job loss, um, a move because of that job loss, um, we found ourselves in a very tough financial situation where um, we could barely make ends meet. It was during the recession. Um, The home that we had left to move for the new job, uh, we could not sell it. And we ended up eventually losing that home um, right in the aftermath of the recession. And I had to take all of those frugal living tips that my parents just instilled in me from the time I was born. And we relied on those things to get by, really. And so what was neat is that I feel like looking back, God used the way my parents grew up 
to instill wisdom and financial stewardship in them that their daughter would one day actually need for her family to survive. Wow. Wow. I love that story. And I want to stop for just a second because um, one thing that I'm, I'm, getting from this is I'm thinking about moms who are listening and so many of them, and I've heard this over and over again, feel guilty because they're on a budget. And I just want to remind you that this is actually a really great place to be. Um, There's something about, um, there's something freeing about being able to manage things within those boundaries and God can make a way. And I, I, I've just, we set an example to our kids that's one thing that I'm, I'm hearing in all of this is our kids are watching us and they're learning from us. And even if they don't need to use all of those um, frugal ways of life as an adult, um, it's so such a great skill and you're giving them such great tools to be able to use if they need them. Just the confidence to know that if things are tight, they know how to walk through that well and not get themselves buried. And so this is more than just, it's, it's such a bigger picture. It's more than just about, you know, your situation at the moment. What is God wanting to do maybe in the bigger picture through this um, financial difficulty? So I love that you shared that and that generational effect um, in your own family, Erin. That is awesome. So you were, um, I, I was reading in the book, that uh, you had felt like, oh, actually, I was watching an interview. You felt like you needed to work full time. And I know there's a lot of moms out there who feel like they really do need some extra income. And, but they also have this desire to stay home with their kids. Um, so tell me how that played out for you. So we definitely needed me to bring in an income, but I did have that desire from the time I was a little girl. I wanted to stay home with my kids. Um, if the Lord ever gave me kids one day and I have four kids, uh, my mom always stayed home with me. Actually, I think she began staying home when I was probably a year and a half old. So I don't have memories of her ever going to work. Mm. Um, that said, our family um, really has never been in a position where I didn't need to bring in some income. So what was really neat, too, is that looking back um, when I was preparing, when I was in college, um, I did not know, you know, I wanted to be married and have children. I didn't know if I ever would. And um, I ended up double majoring in Spanish and journalism. And I laughed because I thought Spanish was going to be my big thing. I thought that mm-hmm. I was going to be a missionary and Latin America. And, and that's what I thought. And in the back of my head, I thought this journalism degree, um, if I ever get to be a mom, maybe the Lord will use it to give me something I can do from home with my kids there. Mm-hmm. And what is so neat is I remember in college, my senior year, I felt like the Lord was just impressing on my heart. You will reach more people through writing. And at the time, blogs were not even a thing. And I had no idea what the Lord meant. I, I almost just felt like Sarah, I felt like laughing, you know, like, Lord, what do you mean? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, and I was just like, Lord, I want to be a missionary, you know? And so, um, again, you know, blogs and, and the internet was, was there when I was in college, but it just hadn't really blown up the way that it has now. So fast forward to when I had my first daughter and the plan was for me to come home after she was born. Well, um, 
that didn't work out. It, I, I was able to come home when she was six months old. And I just remember leaving her that first day for work. She was six weeks at the time and just feeling devastated that I had to leave my little baby. I could still see her in her baby swing. She was with a trusted friend. I knew she was being taken care of, but it just really tugged in my heart that I could not stay home with her. So fast forward through her first year of life, um, that's when we ended up making the move. And um, my husband got a job as a high school teacher. And um, after he, he has done that most of our marriage. And at the time in the state of North Carolina, it was during the recession and um, teachers do not make a whole, whole lot of money uh, still, but at the time it was even harder because um, usually teachers make a tiny bit more. I mean, like maybe 50 or a hundred, $200 more every year, um, depending on your experience. And at the time there was a five year salary freeze where oh. teachers were not making any more money um, because of the recession. And we also had this house that we couldn't sell. And so it was just very apparent that um, I needed to do something. So we get to where we live now, which is right outside of Charlotte. We actually live kind of like in between where you live in Charlotte. And um, I had worked for a newspaper right out of college. And it was near where I had moved to. And I just started praying. I thought, I wonder if that editor still works there. So I emailed the editor and I said, I am back in the area. Do you need any freelance writers? You know, freelancing is something you can do from home. And he emailed me back almost immediately and said, yes. So that began um, a stay-at-home income for our family. And over the course of the last 10 and a half years, I have been able to bring in um, a full-time income for my family. It didn't start out full-time, but a full-time income um, by doing different types of jobs over the last 10 years. And so what's really neat is that um, God, he gave me the skills, and I believe we all have different gifts and talents of things we can do from home. He gave me the desire to stay home with my kids, and he made a way possible for me to do that, even though financially we really do need me to make an income. That is awesome. You know, I know there's, um, I'm sure there's a a lot of moms out there who can relate to what you're saying right now, And, and it's just, it's, it's so good to hear someone else's story because you realize all of a sudden that it is possible. And I love what you said about specifically, we each have gifts. We each have something that we can bring to the table. And I think um, the encouragement here would just be for moms to pray um, if if that God would sort of reveal to you a way that he would make a way. Because I believe if he puts that desire on our hearts to be home with our kids, that that is from him, and he is faithful to do the things that he leads us to do. He he equips us to do that, and so um, I just I love the way um, the Lord just sort of prepared the way for you, and you had no idea. I'm sure at the time you felt like, oh my goodness, what? How are we going to get out of this? What? How can you know? where's the hope? I mean, did you feel hopeless at at any point? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely felt hopeless. And it was then that I just, I mean, there were days where it was just like, okay, Lord, I'm just trusting you because I don't know how we're going to get out of this, you know, Mm. especially when we had that house that we couldn't sell. And, um, 
you know, he has been faithful and we've gone through different seasons the past 10 and a half years. There were seasons where we had barely anything. There are seasons that where we had more than I would have ever imagined. And the past three years, we've been actually going through a rough season again. And what's really interesting, um, I was able to build up a, an online like blog and bit, make a business out of it when my girls were little. But since my son was born three years ago this month, actually, um, we've gone through some really hard challenges. And um, I had in the midst of that, I was forced to, but at the same time had this desire to really savor his his babyhood and his toddlerhood. And um, I realized, you know, I had to pull back even from my at-home work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you, um, when moms start making an income from home, what I have seen among many of my colleagues is that we discovered the sky is the limit. And I have many at-home mom friends who have actually exceeded their husband's income. But what happens then is that um, sometimes that desire to be at home with your kids and the realization you can make an income from home begins to take over. And you realize, I, I have lost my goal, my vision of, of actually spending more time with my kids. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. I haven't even told this story a whole lot. I don't even think I included it in my books. But back in 2015, we had just uh, started attending a new church where we, we still attend now. Um, the first sermon that we heard, my pastor was talking about the Israelites and how they had left Egypt and God had given them the gold. And he had blessed them. But what did they do with that gold? They made the golden calf out of it. Mm. So they took the blessings of God and they turned it into an idol. So it was probably around that time, a couple of years leading up to my son's birth, where God really started convicting me and working on my heart that, um, I've given you these skills to live frugally. I've given you these skills to make money from home, but you, um, the point of being at home is spending time with your kids. And I was starting to, to really just work as much as somebody working outside of the home. And we had more than what we needed, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so, I mean, how do you, um, was that nudge powerful enough to help you kind of know what your next step was? Did you, do you feel like not only did you get the nudge, but you got the clarity of how to do that? I did. So there was, um, like I said, there's been many different income streams over the past 10 and a half years. And one of the things I was doing at that time was kind of running a side business in addition to my blog with a partner. And I ended up stepping away from it. And it was extremely lucrative. My family was in a position where, we could go out to eat anytime we wanted. We actually kind of went from one extreme to the other, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew I had to walk away from that. I I had started to be miserable. I, I cried during that sermon because it was like, Lord, I have taken your blessings and it's become an idol. Mm-hmm. And so the last three years, 
we're not in that really bad position where we were, you know, 10 years ago, but we've kind of come back into the middle where we have to think about money before we spend right, it, you right. know, and um, we just had to pull two of our kids out of Christian school. Um, my oldest goes to a university model school, so it's part-time homeschool, part-time Christian school, but um, money has gotten tighter, but the Lord continues to um, confirm his presence and to just give us wisdom, and um, I'm happier now, and I feel like I'm a better mom now that I am still making an income from home, but it has hasn't taken over control over everything, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And it's true for any blessing that God gives us. It's it's human nature to take a blessing and to turn it into an idol. Our children can become idols. I mean, there's just homeschooling can become an idol. I mean, it's just God, we're, we, our human nature leans toward that because that's what, you know, we're born with that sinful nature, but God has a better way. And he also, you know, has put a spirit in us and, it, and th- that's what, um, I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit was quickening to you when you heard that message. That was mm-hmm. that was God saying, "Hey, listen, this is what's going on." And there was like a a direct, a corrective, and a directive thing going on there. And it's it's always God always blesses obedience, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just I love the fact that you stepped back and said, "I, you know what? I don't, I don't." I can't do this. This is not this is not what God has called me to and and this is why it's so important moms to slow down and be sure that you are listening to the voice of the Lord because we can get so wrapped up in you know even our home businesses and that actually can be very tempting when you're when you're working from home because mm-hmm. work is at home and so it's very difficult to draw those lines but we have to ask God for wisdom to show us how to do that. So at what um what one point um you how did you end up feeling led to write um you can stay at home with your kids how did that all play out. I know you had a book before that. Can you tell that story a little bit? Sure. Well, what's really um interesting and fun is that in I believe it was 2012. I started blogging in 2011 and and I was just blogging about, you know, motherhood, homemaking, some very general stuff. I wasn't being very um I was being authentic, but not really transparent with my story and how our family was really struggling financially at the time. And there was um, one night where a, a group of bloggers, we decided to write a series together on motherhood. And these bloggers, they knew that I, my family was struggling, but that I was doing everything I could. And my husband and I were doing everything that we could together for me to still be able to stay at home with the kids. So I had the blog at the time. I was freelance writing. I was doing some tutoring. I was teaching some homeschooler Spanish, but but none of it was adding up to still enough that we needed. And so this, they said, Aaron, you should write a post called "Staying at Home with Your Kids When You Can Barely Afford It." And so there was, it was late one night when I wrote the post, and I was just very vulnerable, and I told my readers, you know, we're really struggling right now. But I think it's worth the sacrifice, and here are some of the things that, that we're doing in order for me to stay at home, even though it's really hard. So I wrote that post, and I published it, and it went viral almost mm. immediately. And um, it showed me that I wasn't alone. I felt so alone, and I've learned with so many different challenging uh, things that my family has been through the past decade is that so often when we as wives and as mothers and just as women feel alone in whatever we're struggling with, it, we're not. 
it's sometimes it's like we're all collectively feeling alone when, when we're going through. Many of us are walking through the same things. Right. So that encouraged me. And that post went viral. It touched so many women. I still get messages from women so many years later who have said that post is, has made me feel not alone. And it just encouraged me. So about... I don't know, a year or two after that, it was probably about two years um, because the the post went viral for quite a while. I got an email from an editor at Zondervan and she said, would you be interested in turning this blog post into a book? And what was really neat is that like weeks before this, I got an email from my now agent who you're with the same agency, mm-hmm. Bill, the Bill Jensen agency, who said, um, I have I've been following your journey online. Would you be interested in writing a book? And so it was like all the pieces were coming together for that. But like I told you before we were recording, at the time I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old. And I thought, I can't write a book right now, you know, and encourage other moms. But I still feel like I am really in the trenches with, you know, three preschool or toddlers. And um, anyway, God continue to to work on my heart. I actually spent the day at a coffee shop soon after that and just praying and doing kind of like a timeline of my life and and how God had really led me to that moment. And I felt like the Lord was saying, walk into this, but walk slowly. Mm. And so... Over the course of the next two years, my, my agent and I, um, we talked to that publisher. We talked to a few other publishers. I ended up going with that publisher, and we talked about what I would write, and um, they, they said, would you like to write, would, one of the books would you like to write is, is a book of just short, really actionable tips for moms who want to stay home with their kids to make it affordable, and that's how this this book came to be. And I was really excited about it. I did write a book before this. Uh, it actually came out six months before it. That is a part memoir and part practical. And it's a lot, it's a lot meatier than this book. It's a lot bigger. So this book is more for staying at home with your kids. You could stay home with your kids is more of a book that a mom can pick up, take, you know, throw in her purse, take to the doctor's office with her, take to soccer practice, wherever she may be, and just read like a short little tip and then make an action plan to put it into um, action in her life. The other book is is longer and it's more of a memoir of our journey. And that's called More Than Just Making It, Hope for the Heart of the Financially Frustrated. But when we started going over book ideas, it was like, I just knew that this was the message that so many women were hungry for. And this is the message I was, I would have been hungry for and needed uh, when I was first walking through this journey. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So that's going to bring me lead right into my next question. If you could just share three of your favorite, most effective ways to curb spending. Sure. So the first way I would say is that you really need to distinguish wants from needs. Mm -hmm. I think this is a huge problem in our culture, especially, is that there are so many things that we think that we want. I mean, that we think that we need that are really just wants, Mm -hmm. you know, um, do you really need 
Um, I'm just going to pick on a car. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm going to offend anybody. Like, do you really need the Honda Odyssey? Can you get a caravan? You know, do you really need a brand new car? Or do you need something that's going to get you from point A to point B? You know, be reliable, but get you from point A to point B. Do you really need a brand new wardrobe? Or can you shop secondhand? You know, do you really need cable TV? Do you really need to go to the movies once a week or even once a month? Um, or are those things that you desire, but you really don't need right now. So that was something that was really big for us is just being able to break down what do I want and what do I need? And those wants don't have to be sinful things. They don't, no. you know, they, if you have the means, there's nothing wrong with going to the movie sometimes. There's nothing wrong with having a Honda Odyssey, you know. There's nothing wrong with, you know, a want for me is wanting my kids to go to Christian school. And, you know, at a, one time we were able to send the three girls to Christian school. Um, right now we can only send one. But being able to break that down sounds so simple, but it can be really profound because there's so many things that our culture, even in the Christian culture, says you have to absolutely have this, That's that right. really you don't have to. That's right. One of the things that we did, I'm just going to throw this in there, is I remember wondering, what is it exactly that we spend money on? And so every single bit of money, every time I spent money, I wrote it down for a few weeks. And, you know, you can really begin to see where the flow is going. Um, you know, whether it's just, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm actually having coffee at Starbucks more than I probably need to, you know? And my <laughs> husband used to describe this as like um, opportunity cost. He said, what you spend there, you can't spend over here. Mm -hmm. So if you're spending $5 on a coffee, um, what if there's another need that's more important that comes up and now you don't have the money for that because you spent it over here? So he kind of just threw that out there like at the beginning of our marriage. And I thought, you know, that's really smart. And I've always now thought in terms of opportunity costs that really helped me a lot. Um, because I think, you know, do I want this coffee worse than I want, you know, a new package of copy paper for my printer, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because sometimes it comes down to that, you know. Exactly. And I think that um, that's a really good, I'm glad you brought that up. And it's something that you may have to, the tracking um, is something else I had written down to talk about. You may have to do it, um, you know, seasonally because, what we spent, for example, right now, actually this month, we um, are, are tracking um, our food spending um, really, really closely because we are in a position of we're like we – I told my husband, I think we actually really need to up our food budget because when we made the budget, that the one that we've been trying to go off of, we only had three kids, and now we have four, and the fourth one is three years old. And I don't know about your kids, but the older my kids get, I'm just like, wow. They eat so much food, you know, and our family is all gluten free. And so we're trying to to track really closely exactly what we're spending, like what we're buying as far as the food goes to decide how much we need to up our grocery budget. Or are there things that we just need to not buy anymore? Right, right. My husband and I had this discussion early on because when we were still trying to kind of figure things out. He would, you know, he gave me a budget and I figured, okay, I'm just going to make this work. And like you, the family would continue to grow, get older, eat more. Um, but, but I think what ended up happening at the very beginning was he really didn't give me enough for the mm -hmm. food budget is what ended up happening because he doesn't, 
he didn't grocery shop. He doesn't prepare, prepare meals. He has no idea what it takes to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember for a while, he would always want to, like when we had to readjust the budget, he'd always want to take it from the groceries. And yeah. finally, at one point, I said, look, you you got you can't do that. Like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, but... He goes, well, are you just basically saying we need more in our food budget? And I, I just like I didn't want to tell him that. You know? <laughs> I wanted to do my part. And so I didn't want to tell him that, you know, because it kind of felt like a failure. And and yet I think um, I wasn't being realistic. And so when I was just honest with him and said, yeah, I think we really it would help me a lot because this is really stressing me out. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if we could just go a little bit bigger on that. And he's like, that's totally fine. I just need to know. And so I think. And now he's just great about groceries and, and that kind of stuff. And he has been for years. But it, it was kind of one of those things where we had to communicate with each other. And we had to, and this is part of actually, you know, these things can make our marriages stronger. You know, overcoming these obstacles together is, you know, that can either, um, you know, when we face obstacles, we, we have opportunity and to, to grow closer together or let it tear us apart, you know. And so what we really want to do is understand that God means for these things to work for our good. And so, you know, he says in his word um, that he causes everything to work out for our good and for his glory. And we can trust him with that. And he'll give us wisdom. He said that in James 1. And so um, these situations that can, you know, initially feel like a detriment to a marriage and a relationship can actually make it stronger um, if we keep our eyes on the Lord and, and continue to, you know, communicate in a healthy, respectful way with each other about finances and and stay connected and in agreement on how we're going to spend this money. Mm. Yes, that's, I mean, the whole, uh, the whole, yes, we actually do need to up our grocery budget. Like, we've just had that exact same conversation. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when, when your kids are little, it's it's different, and they they grow, and I hear teenage boys are really going to be <laughs> our our budget may double, you know, in the next two years because of having a son. <laughs> but um, it's one of those things. It's like, well, the kids have to eat, so that's we right. Eat. We have to cut somewhere else. That's right. Something else that um, I wanted to say. Uh, another favorite way for, to save money is just to avoid your spending triggers. So if there is somewhere where you know, if I walk into that store or if I go onto that website, I'm going to be really tempted to spend money, mm-hmm. then my biggest suggestion is just don't go. Don't right. go there. You know, and if it's somewhere where you have to get things from, you know, um, most of us have to go to Walmart at some point or have to go to Target. If that store is a really big temptation for you, you know, if, if walking into Target to get milk is going to tempt you to uh, fill up your your cart with stuff from the clearance racks, then it may be your husband needs to go to Target for you. I have a friend, um, a, a blogging friend, Lauren um, Grootman, who she also wrote a book and um, what is her book called again? It's on my, I think it was on my shelf. I'm sorry. Um, the Recovering Spender. So one of her stories, I included it in my first book, was that she actually realized she can't go to Target by herself. She just <laughs> She has to have somebody with her. And, you know, I applaud her for realizing that because 
spending is a big thing for her. So, um, you know, it could be Aldi is my favorite grocery store. I absolutely love it. It's a discount grocery store and mm -hmm. it saves my family so much money. But they have that special buy aisle yes. where they get in, you know, there's the memes that go around. Like I went in for Aldi for milk and eggs and bread and I came out with rubber boots and an essential oil diffuser and, <laughs> you know, a shovel. And so that special buy aisle, you have to be careful with it because it could totally blow your Aldi budget by going down that aisle because they have so many fun things there. And that's not to say, I mean, I do go down that aisle most of the time, but you have to think, okay, is there a place where I feel very tempted to shop and spend money? And if so, what can I do to avoid that place? You know, right. every time you drive by the coffee shop, are you tempted to go through the drive through there and get a cup of coffee? Mm -hmm. If so, you may need to, you may need to drive another route, you know, <laughs> that's a whole other issue is um, getting some help for true spending addictions. Right. But you know, for me, I just don't, I don't go shopping very often at all. It's not a huge temptation for me. And I know if I go, like, what's the point of just going to walk around? Right. I'm not going to spend the money. So I, I kind of stick to Aldi and then I spend, um, you know, I buy a few things online, but that's about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so something else, especially for families with a lot of children, or even if you don't have a lot, um, children in general, is to save or shop for Christmas year round. Mm. So Christmas is something that a lot of families struggle with. A lot of families go into debt in December. And then they spend the rest of the year trying to pay off that debt because they want to give their kids a, a big Christmas. Now, our family, what we do, um, we started when our kids were little, is giving them three gifts each Christmas. They still get gifts from grandparents, but we give them something they want something they need, and then we give them something to foster spiritual growth. So, for example, my nine-year-old this year asked for a Bible that had tabs so that it could help her easily find the different books of the Bible when she goes to Awana. Do you know what I mean? Where she yes. could like, look and see, okay, there's Genesis mm -hmm. right there. And um, so that's what we gave her for her spiritual um, Christmas-focused gift this year. But what we do, so what you can do is you could either buy, you know, a gift or two every month and make that part of your monthly budget, or what you could do is set up a Christmas fund where every month you put in a certain amount of money that come October or November, you can start buying the Christmas gifts then. Right. And that's the way our family does it. And my husband set this up through our bank, but we actually have a specific account that we can't touch until October. Like we can't even get into it. That's great. That is great. Our daughter and son-in-law did something similar. They have an Amazon card that collects points and they pay some of their bills with that. So they pay, I mean, obviously they pay that off at the end of the month, you know, so, but they're just running their bill through, through the Amazon card to gain the points. And then by the end of the year, they have a pretty good little savings account there to buy Christmas gifts with um, on Amazon. So that's worked really well for them too. So tell me some ways that your family's been able to eat well on a budget. I know you're gluten-free. We are too. That can get expensive. Um, mm -hmm. Share some, share some ideas. So I would say, I already mentioned shopping at Aldi. I'm a huge mm -hmm. Aldi fan. They, they really should pay me, but I would say, um, 
my my first tip is just to shop at um, discount grocery stores. So right. um, I I have had friends, and um, I don't know why Aldi and and some other discount stores can get a stigma to them. Maybe because when you go in, there's a lot of boxes instead of, you know, really. Um, they don't have an interior designer, you can tell, putting together their displays. But right. um, shopping places like that saves us so much money. Even the other day, my um, my oldest daughter really wants to go to camp this summer with church. And we told her, honey, we have, we have four kids. And honestly, camp is just not in our budget this year. It's $370, which is a, quite a lot of money, right? So this is a few weeks ago. And she said, Mommy, I would like to earn my own money for camp, which I thought that's awesome. You know, I'm going to this is going to instill some entrepreneurship skills in her from a young age. She asked if she could make and sell chocolate covered strawberries. So we walk into Aldi and she bought all her own supplies for this. And um, we walked into Aldi and the the strawberries were marked down to 99 cents a pound, 99 cents a container. Wow. When we had gone to Costco a few days before, they were significantly more than that. And so um, what was really neat, I've taught my kids, um, you can shop at discount stores and there's really, you know, there shouldn't be a stigma around it. But also I said, look, God has provided and your profit margin is automatically going to go up for this fundraiser because the strawberries are only 99 cents a pound and we were expecting to pay more like a dollar seventy or something is what mm -hmm, they had been the mm -hmm. week before. Wow. So I but I've had friends that have said, I just can't do it. I can't go into Aldi because it just doesn't look as nice as Harris Teeter or Whole Foods oh, or Fair. And I just I just don't get that because I I love Aldi. And I would just say if you have never tried a discount store, then just try it and see what you think and go on a field trip um, go buy some of your favorite items something that really throws people off uh, with Aldi specifically is that they carry their own brand so you're not going to see um, you know Kraft macaroni and cheese you're going to see the Aldi brand I would say just give it a try. You may be very pleasantly surprised. You know, the worst thing that can happen, you decide you don't like it. The best is that you're going to save your family hundreds of, in, if that thousands of dollars over, the, you know, the course of your lifetime if you, if you transition to shopping at a discount store. Something else is just learning how to cook from scratch. Mm -hmm. Now, I have done this to varying degrees, but you, um, you know, I will say that as my kids are getting older and life is getting busier, um, there are times where I have bought the frozen gluten-free chicken nuggets and the frozen gluten-free pizza, which is going to automatically up your budget more. But if you are able to cook the majority of your food from scratch, that is going to save you so much money Absolutely. over buying things that are already put together. And... Um, it, it can be simple. I'm not a gourmet chef at all. I follow recipes, but um, learning how to cook things on my own has, has saved my family a lot. And the last thing is really the most important, and that is to learn how to meal plan. I feel like nothing is going to sabotage your grocery budget more than not planning out what you're going to eat. Mm -hmm. That is something that... Um, 
you know, if it gets to be five o'clock and you don't know what you're going to serve, then you really don't have time to like thaw meat at that point. You're going to have to go to the store and get something like frozen pizza or, or be tempted to eat out. And that really ruins your budget. You know, we can eat for a whole week pretty much on, um, what it would cost our family to eat out. Right. You know? So meal planning is, is huge there. And, and part of that can still be, um, you know, you don't have to cook a hundred percent from scratch. Um, and you don't have to have a gourmet meal plan. So, for example, part of that could just be having um, some routines that you do and where you maybe you cook some from scratch, but you go and get a rotisserie chicken. So our family lives very close to Costco and the rotisserie chickens are four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. They're huge. So what we have recently started doing as a routine, I don't cook the chicken from scratch on Sunday, but after church, a lot of people go out to eat. We've been in and out of that habit in the past. It always ruins our budget. So we have this new routine that after church, we go pick up a rotisserie chicken that's $4.99, and then I make really easy, simple sides, you know, mm-hmm. like green beans or sweet potatoes, or, you know, rice. But I make the sides at home from scratch, but we eat that rotisserie chicken, and they're so big, even one um, actually gives us more than one meal. And so mm-hmm. what I do on Sundays, we eat that for lunch after church, and then I um, shred up the chicken. So, for example, this week we ate chicken. Um, after church for lunch. And then last night I made homemade from scratch, uh, chicken noodle soup mm-hmm. with the leftover chicken. Yep. And so, um, having some systems and routines like that. And honestly with, um, you know, frozen pizza, again, that's not from scratch, but another night of the week that I know, I know it's coming every single week. We have a wada on Sunday nights. The kids get out at seven, which is a late night for us, considering they have school the next morning and they need to get to bed. But instead of thinking, oh man, we're going to have to go through the drive through somewhere. Or we're going to have to, you know, order some food. I just decided in the fall, they're doing Awana every week. Awana is important for us. We love what they're learning there. I'm going to make Awana night that one night of the week where we're going to eat a frozen gluten-free pizza from Aldi. Mm-hmm. And it's just something we have every single week. So having that routine yes. saves us a lot. It saves us not only money, but it saves us that stress and that, yes. that mental stress of what are we going to eat tonight? Absolutely. Sunday lunch, rotisserie chicken, Sunday night pizza. And yes. that's yeah, some of the times, what I've done in the past is, and in, in what I still do is actually, we eat very simply. Like you were saying, a couple of simple sides with the rotisserie chicken. Um, and if, you know, let's just say you're not going to get the rotisserie chicken, it is not a big deal to throw a whole chicken in the oven in a Dutch oven. Um, they cook in within a couple of hours and they're really nice and tender. And then you do the same thing with the leftovers, take the meat off. And if I can't make soup right away for some reason, I will freeze the bones mm-hmm. and uh, collect them. And then I'll make a big batch of broth um, that I can actually freeze in Ziploc bags um, so that when we're ready to have soup, I just grab a gallon bag of broth out of the freezer and thaw it and and add you know all my all my things to it at some other point in time so mm-hmm. that's another idea but the here's the thing it is so much healthier to eat simply so you can really kill two birds with one stone you simplify your eating 
and make it just clean and straightforward and, you know, a couple of veggies on the side and a, and a grain or a carb and um, some kind of meat. And um, all of a sudden, your cooking is simple, your planning is simple, and your 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 spending has gone down. I'll buy those big bags of frozen broccoli at Costco. Um, you know, all that stuff keeps so well in the freezer. And so maybe I'll do a, a side of uh, steamed frozen, or take the frozen broccoli and steam that and then maybe have a salad with it. And so it's just, you know, you could really do well on both ends, just simplifying your meals. And so here's the other thing that I've done. That is plan seven, seven days of meals and repeat that every week. So, you know, Monday we're having, you know, meatloaf. Tuesday we're having, you know, baked chicken. Wednesday we're having whatever. But your your plan, like you said, in my that you have in mind is you're looking at your week. How does our week go? And what night should I plan the easiest meal so that we um, don't spend money and so that I'm not stressed out? And the other thing that I did was made, made – um, uh, taking out the meat or knowing what I was doing for dinner, let's just say that I m- maybe didn't plan quite that well and I don't know exactly what we're having for dinner, but I've got food in the house. So every morning I get up and I say, what are we having for dinner tonight? That's part mm-hmm. of my morning routine, just like doing the morning dishes, making my bed. I think, what are we having for dinner tonight? And then I can pull out um, something that can thaw in plenty of time for dinner, or I can put something in the crock pot if I've thought it the night before. Um, sometimes I'll think two days ahead and I'll say, okay, well, tomorrow or tonight we'll have meatloaf because I can thaw the hamburger quickly um, as it just sits there for today and um, and I can make that tonight. But what am I going to have tomorrow night? Oh, I'm going to do something with chicken, but that's frozen too, and I want to put it in the crock pot in the morning, so I'm going to take it out, put it in the fridge tonight or Um, to thaw. And then I'll have that also for the next night. So just like you said, taking a few minutes as part of your routine to stop and think about because meals happen every day, moms. I know we want to be in denial. We want to say that isn't really going to (laughs) happen. We forget, we get distracted. But the truth is those meals happen three day, three, you know, two to three times a day, you know. And so just, yes, the stress level, my stress level goes down so much when I know what we're having, especially when I know what we're having for dinner. I mean, you can whip breakfast together fairly easily. Um, and even lunch can be um, pretty easy. But, you know, dinner, I just, I, you got to put a little thought into it typically if you're going to save money and you're going to eat, you know, healthy. So um, those are just such great ideas. I'm just, thank you for sharing those. And I, I mean, you can tell I'm from my story, I'm, I'm inspired already. I'm like, okay, what are we having for dinner tonight? When I get up <laughs> done with this podcast, I need to go <laughs> figure this out. Um, you know, when you only got two kids at home now and they're teenagers, is very easy to slip into lazy mode, I'll tell you. Um, so answer a question about clothing. I think most people know you can, I mean, I guess I feel like it's, it's, it's easy to shop um, pretty inexpensively nowadays for mm-hmm. clothing for your family. I know we've found some really great stuff online, like with Children's Place, where there's no shipping. And, you know, when I want something specific. Um, so tell us how you handle um, clothing your family. So I I don't go shopping a lot. 
Um, I do, we do a lot of consignment clothes shopping. Now I know as the kids get older, that's going to be harder to do. Although there are some online and a few um, brick and mortar, uh, you know, adult or teenage consignment stores for, for my kids, the age they are now, there are a couple of big consignment sales that come through the area seasonally. So there's a local mom and it's really neat. Her story is she wanted to homeschool her five kids and, her business was starting this consignment sale that has just really blown up. She's done it for 15 years or so now, and she was able to homeschool or send her kids to Christian school through Mm -hmm. her business of Mm -hmm. having this big consignment sale. And so she has it, she holds it twice a year for one week at a time in the fall and in the spring. And these things have popped up all over the country. And so what I do, instead of just popping in and out of stores all the time, I go to the consignment sales and I will very occasionally, I actually don't do it every season because a lot of times I can find what I need at the consignment sales, but I will sometimes pop into Kohl's or Target when um, it's the end of the season. And so I almost always only buy new clothes for my kids when it's like right, probably about a month from now, I would go and I would look for next winter for mm-hmm, my kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm buying, you know, a, a size bigger. What's really nice with having three girls is that anytime I buy something for my oldest, it's triple the investment. Right. Now I can still do that right now because they're still young. I know as they become teenagers, that's going to, we're going to have to reinvent the wheel a little bit at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some things that, especially if I've bought them used, that only my second daughter can wear. Then by the time it gets to my third, um, I do have to buy, um, you know, rebuy some things for her. But also, we never say no to hand-me-downs. And sometimes I will pass them on to other people. It's something that I grew up with that my parents, they did a lot of clearance rack shopping, um, like indices and stuff like I do as well. But also they would accept hand-me-downs. And I think there's no shame in that. And so a lot of my son's clothes, we've been very blessed that people have just given us clothes when their children have grown out of them. And so what I do with his now, I have like a Facebook group I'm on with uh, local moms. And when he grows out of clothes, because we don't have any more children and have no other boys, I say, I am putting a box of size 18 month boys clothes on my front porch. First person to send me a message gets them for free. Because the Lord has blessed us so much. Uh, mm-hmm. I just want to pass on that blessing. Now for myself and for my husband, um, you know, we, we shouldn't be growing a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) So we do, you know, I, I, I do wear clothes for a long time and I usually avoid trendy things. Mm -hmm. Um, part of that's personality. Um, a lot of it's because I don't want to buy something that's going to be trendy and not last very long. A funny story, you know, booties, how long have those short boots been in style like five seven years now Mm -hmm. like that I just got my first pair (laughs) because when I first saw those come out I thought there's no way that's gonna last like who wears boots that are like 
up to the ankle. Like, no way, I'm not going to spend money on that when the trend's going to be gone next year. So I watched and I watched and I'm like, huh, that trend still stuck around. Okay, okay. So this year I, t- I told my husband, I said, you know what? I think I would like a pair of booties for Christmas. But I always, my shoes are always like brown or black because right. they go with everything, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so part of my style is just that classic style where, where the clothes will last longer. So I do use a service called Stitch Fix, but I will just let you and your listeners in on a little secret. It's because I'm a blogger and I have credit. Uh, So if you're a blogger um, or if you have any kind of online uh, business, even your personal Facebook friends, you can rack up a lot of credit to places like that. Um, I do feel like for some people, and I've actually never written a blog post. I've just put links on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I do want to write a blog post because I do believe you can get some higher quality clothing for places like that that will Mm -hmm. last you longer. Mm -hmm. But I still, even with credit, you want to be wise and what you, you get. So when I was pregnant with my son, you know, three years ago, he, he just turned three, I had um, a lot of Stitch Fix credit because I just had put a link up like the first time I used it and said, who else has used Stitch Fix? Somebody gave me a $25 credit here. You can get a $25 credit for yourself by clicking through my link. Well, I saw the credit start to build. And I thought, why would I spend uh, use my credit on maternity clothes right. when... When I'm not going to ever use them again, probably, and and only use them for a short time. So I emailed them and I said, will my credit ever expire? And they said, no, but we have some cute maternity clothes. And I said, well, I already have maternity clothes, so I'm going to save this. So I saved it and I have enough credit now that I'm able to get a monthly box and I will usually keep one item from the Mm -hmm. box. Mm -hmm. So I have built my my personal wardrobe up that way. Mm -hmm. But um, so I would say, let's say you have have some kind of credit if somebody gives you something or whatever you still want to use that as if it is real money right and not and not just use it on things that you may not get a whole lot of use out of exactly exactly I love what you shared about hand-me-downs everybody who knew us knew I was not too humble to take or too proud to take hand-me-downs and I remember at one point um, with several small children and I needed to get to the store to get some jeans for the boys. And it, it wasn't even a matter of not necessarily having the money because I could go to the thrift shop and find what I needed probably or the consignment shop. I just couldn't get out of the house. It just the time was just not happening. And so I prayed about it. I was like, Lord, I just, you know what these kids need and you, you know, you're a provider. And to this day, I still don't know who dropped them off, but at some point we came home and there were like five garbage bags full of used clothes that were in wow. amazing shape. So I and I found everything I needed for the kids and then whatever we didn't need, I passed on to someone else. And then I would always box up kids's um things for the next one and, you know, sort through and get rid of anything that, you know, I didn't think I'd put on the next child or whatever. But, you know, keeping those little totes and being okay with putting it on the next kid and the next kid until they wear out. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think our culture and our society has such ridiculously crazy expectations and it's all rooted in consu- a consumer mentality and marketing. It's not 
common sense. It's not, it, it, it's, it can eat us alive. And so these, these ridiculous expectations, we need to set them aside and we need to do what's best for our family and keep ourselves financially free. And there's, you've shared so many great ideas today and um, hopefully it's gotten the, the juices flowing for the moms who are listening. But what would you tell the couple who feels completely overwhelmed by their out of control finances? Well, I would tell them, first of all, they aren't alone because I think that that makes it sometimes even harder to reach out for help because mm-hmm. because you feel shameful when you really shouldn't, that's you know, right. and that's really from the enemy and it, it's it's his way of trying to get us not to seek out help. Right. Um, but I would say find a meeting with a financial planner, um, like a financial coach, and there's a lot of free ones. And that is a big thing that just seeking out the help. And you may want to ask your pastor if he knows of anyone. You could go to Financial Peace Universal, like Dave Ramsey's website. Mm-hmm. Um, it may just be Dave Ramsey online, actually, DaveRamsey.com. And um, they he has free coaches all over the country who, um, this is their ministry to meet mm. with people. Now, some of them do charge, but there's many free ones. Crown Financial is another Christian resource where they have coaches all over who okay. either um, give classes or will meet with individuals. And so it's, I think that one is crown.org okay. um, crown, for Crown Financial. So I would say seek help either via an individual who can help you pour over your finances or by taking a class. Um, but even before that, the simple thing that we talked about, about tracking every single penny that you spend, mm-hmm. you really cannot get a handle on things until you know exactly what you're spending and right. where you're spending it. Exactly. Um, and going back to once you do that, you can then break those things apart and establish, um, you know, what are true Uh, needs and what is a want. So that would be my very first thing. Get an envelope and start saving every single receipt now, you know, start Mm -hmm. this month. But um, if you are just completely overwhelmed, I am a huge proponent of pulling in a third party to help you. And these two ministries are made for people who are overwhelmed with their finances. And there are people who will meet with you for free to figure out Uh, where's the disconnect and how can we help you get on your feet again? That's awesome. Thank you. I will include, I'll track down those links and I'll include them in the podcast notes and tell moms how they can connect with you. They can find me at The Humbled with a D on the end because I have been humbled. <laughs> TheHumbledHomemaker.com. And I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm The Humbled Homemaker over there. I'm on Facebook, The Humbled Homemaker. Um, those are my, my main places where you can find me. Great. And where can they find your book? They can find my book on Amazon and um, or wherever books are sold. But Amazon, to me, is the easiest place it to is. order it online and not be tempted <laughs> by Barnes & Noble, you know, the other books on the shelf. That, That's right. that would be a bigger thing to tempt me than, like, clothing would be books. Right, right. We all have our, our weak areas, don't we? <laughs> yes. So um, the, the book we've been talking about today is You Can Stay Home With Your Kids, 100 Tips, Tricks, and Ways to Make It Work on a Budget. Very short but actionable things that you can do and then the other book is more than just making it hope for the heart of the financially frustrated and both of those are on amazon great i will include those links also um, in the podcast notes and then lastly tell us about today's giveaway you're going to give a uh what what are you giving away today 
Uh, we are giving away a copy of my book, You Could Stay Home With Your Kids. Awesome. Yes. Yes. And all you have to do is, uh, moms, is just leave a comment. Um, leave it at the website where this podcast um, post is because if I have have it coming from too many different directions, because uh, there's a lot of people listening from a lot of different places, iTunes and Overcast, Spotify, just pop over to my podcast and um, over to my website and leave a comment in the podcast uh, no, down below the notes. And um, I will uh, throw your name in the hat and we will choose a winner. Um, we will, that will, that will be a three week, that'll be three weeks out. I didn't even look at my calendar to, to say when that would be, but I would say probably about mid-March will be the end of the time that you can um, put your name in the hat. So Erin, um, thank you again for being here with us and sharing your story. It's just been so encouraging. Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a great day. You too. And let's take a quick, uh, just a little quick minute to pray. And Lord, we just lift up these moms to you, God, who are listening. God, we've all um, had our different struggles with money and finances and how to spend. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom that was shared here today. I pray that every mom listening, that her ears um, would be tuned into what you want to say to her, Lord, and that you would give her wisdom and and clear direction and a vision. Lord, I pray especially for um, those who are really struggling financially, Lord. I just pray blessing over their finances, God. I pray for just um, a clarity of heart, a clarity of mind, discernment, wisdom, and discipline to follow through um, and that you would uh, take them down that journey, Lord, and lead them into financial freedom. God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.